0: You're listening to Set 5 Pass, a podcast about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm your host, J.D. Shock, a.k.a. Julian. Every week there's a new topic and can range anywhere from deck profiles to archetype analysis. Of course, we also cover Yu-Gi-Oh! news and provide a recap of what happened in the past week to keep you updated and informed. The podcast is on Twitter. Find us at Set5Podcast to stay up to date with what's going on throughout the week and let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and what is up, everybody? This is your host, JD Shock, aka Julian, and you're listening to Set 5 Pass. I hope that you are all having a fantastic week. I sure am. It has been a lot going on over on my end, especially in the Yu Gi Oh realms. Um, I've been dipping a lot more into Speed Duel content and Speed Duel tournaments, which has been pretty interesting. It is a completely different meta, which is fun and refreshing mainly because you know like goat format and Edison format there's you know not that many decks everybody's kind of playing the same deck and it doesn't really change or evolve so it gets kind of stale kind of quickly um advanced format if you've been playing competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! over the past couple months you probably realize that advanced format is really annoying right now and it's only gonna get a little bit more annoying because we just got the branded stuff this week so uh yeah speed duel format has been awesome it's been cool to experience a new meta play against different strategies side decking and things like that is completely different you have to be aware of completely different interactions in a match so yeah it's been great it's been keeping me busy it has been um kind of keeping my mind going and everything so yeah but we're not gonna be talking about speed duels today. Actually, today we are talking about the um forbidden list that is supposed to be coming out here shortly. Which it's weird, like the time just flies. You don't realize how much time goes on between a band list and especially within a format. Um, especially if we're getting like a lot of new like content or packs or everything. Uh, in between, like, formats because uh, um, a metal will just change so much with each product that we get. So with the last f- format, we got uh, Grand Creators around the time that the other band list happened. So we already knew that Adventure was going to be one of the, like, standout strategies. And then we have had, uh, what was it, Battle of Chaos and also uh the branded decks which is just dropped this week that i just mentioned a little bit ago so yeah we've just had um a lot of meta shakeups and i think that we're going to see it a lot with this current ban list that's going to be coming up just kind of echoing how much the meta really solidified so uh going back to it if you haven't played competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! recently in the advanced format uh I'm just going to address the elephant in the room that a lot of decks are playing adventure engine. Uh, Especially at the most recent YCS, a lot of the decks were playing adventure. It was just, it's just too resourceful and to pass up and it makes a lot of decks stand out and kind of gave already strong decks a stronger boost uh which is uh pretty nice to see in some aspects but we'll get to a little bit more later on as of right now we do not know exactly when the next ban list is going to be dropping uh konami was kind of smart this time around because last time you know once you got to mid January you knew that there was going to be a ban list announced sometime because they put a date that like Oh, the ban list will be announced like sometime after January, so-and-so. So at each day that it got past that, all the players were like, where's the ban list? Like, Konami would just post tweets about completely other content, like other products that they were releasing and things like that, and half the comments on Twitter were just like, hey, where's the ban list? So they didn't do that this time. They just said that the next ban list will be announced um, in some time. A couple months from now <laughs> to try to avoid that, <laughs> but we are getting to about that three-month mark. So we are getting to we are we're in bandless season. So, uh, so yeah, that's we'll see what happens. I expect it to kind of be maybe by the end of April. That's kind of my prediction when we're getting it. Um, but who knows? Like I said, we're just in that season right now. So Konami could drop it next week. They could drop it in like May um so yeah so uh i'm gonna go with things that are i think are probably gonna be seeing a hit i'm gonna go through some of the top uh decks that are currently uh seeing play on the high competitive levels and then at the end i'm just gonna kind of talk about things that can maybe come back and uh just see what we have like what we have coming up here so um, going back to it, I'm going to address the elephant in the room and say that Adventure Engine is very strong, and it is, I think, a lot stronger than what a lot of people realized that it would be, but it's, it's phenomenal. Like, so you have Rite of Air messier uh, and Water Enchantress. Enchantress is essentially just additional copies of Rite, and then you have your equip play spell, the griffin, the rider. Oh no, you have the griffin, which is the Omni negate. And then you have the Draco back, which is a once per turn bounce. so you have a lot of utility between those two cards. Because the Omni-Negate is really just to protect you from your actual deck that you're playing. Like, it allows that combos to go through. Where the Draco-Back being a spell effect really allows you to break Floodgates that the opponent was planning on using. So, like, uh, a Skill Drain or a Tikaboo or things like that. Like, you just use Draco-Back and bounce it and continue playing. So, in the OCG, they hit Enchantress to 2, I believe. Uh, I I'm not entirely sure if TCG is going to follow the exact same suit, but I see either Right of Arabesque going to one, or Enchantress going to one, or possibly going to two. So, uh, to kind of elaborate on it, so. With right going to 1, you essentially have your 3 enchantresses and one right in your deck, making it so you only have 4 copies as opposed to 6. and granted that enchantress can bring a right from deck or graveyard so if you use a right and then you you know use enchantress later on you could just recycle the same right from grave however it makes it so uh things like dd crow become a very strong against this engine because you can use dd crow to banish the right that's in their graveyard after they've used it the first time and then they don't have a way to summon any more tokens Uh, so that was one thing I kind of thought about, or maybe even, um, yeah, like just banishing, banishing from graveyard, like a Mechaba negate against Rite of Aramis here shuts down the whole grave engine, you know, things like that. Now looking at Enchantress, Enchantress might be the more, um, how do I put it? Tempting hit here. So in... (sighs) Gosh, I've been playing the Brave Engine in some other decks. I've actually been playing Ogdodic Brave the past, like, week. And I can say that Enchantress being able to banish itself from Graveyard to either search or recycle a rite is, um, really annoying. Like, (laughs) so, say that you're using thing. Like Twin Twister, or um, in my case, using things like Snake Rain, like (laughs) any things that just require like um, a discard, you can discard your Enchantress to get off to fulfill your cost for whatever card you're using. Maybe even like Forbidden Droplets, things like that. And then you can use Enchantress Engrave to banish to do right, and then do the whole combo for the brave stuff. So it's a really, really good resource management card. So, essentially, like, one Water Enchantress, by the end of it, gets you, like, the Fateful Adventure, the Token, the Equip Spell, and a Griffin Rider. Like, that's a lot of board presence off one card that... It's kind of tricky to stop so i can see enchantress going to one or two mainly just to slow it down and making so players actually have to rely on hard drawing the spell as opposed to using a foolish burial to send enchantress to grave and then using the effect to go off that another uh very popular engine that we saw um, on the tournament level was uh the destroyer phoenix enforcer the dpe engine now dpe it's it's deceptively powerful like you look at it and you think like oh once per turn pop on both players fields is not too crazy i feel like there's a lot of decks that do a once per turn pop but there's just something about dpe that makes it a little bit like trickier one is it can pop itself to kind of escape board presence so if the opponent was going to use like a zeus or something like that to you know send it to grave you can use dpe to kind of skip out skip out the board and that way you still have it going on moving forward like think of like comparing dpe to dragoon uh you know you use use dragoon's effect they bait out the negate and then they use something that is a like non-targeting send or Um, you know some type of effect to then get over the Dragoon and then Dragoon's gone like you can't you're not bringing it back anymore whereas DPE you can get the pop off and then bring it back to the following turn and you still have it so it doesn't matter what they do afterwards or if they bait the removal because you can just do it again and it's going to come back now uh with the most recent list, they hit fusion destiny to two because they were trying to make it so people just weren't relying on the strategy so heavily but what would happen is that you could do your entire combo you finish your end board and then you just use destiny fusion at the end and then get a dp on top of that so they were really trying to stray away from that and making it so with two it's harder to hard draw which actually ended up making a very big difference like I remember, like, a couple, like, a week into the format, like, being down to just only two, uh, Fusion Destinies was like, wow, this, like, really hurts. Like, (laughs) it's, like, it's hard to play, like, it's hard to actually, like, make DPE sometimes. And it really made it so you had to lean super heavy into Anaconda to make it so DPE was just a little bit more consistent to get out. And the whole thing about, like, the DPE DAG to play, uh there's a couple problem cards here so you have like anaconda you have fusion destiny and you have dagda or artifact dagda or artifact scythe like you know i think a lot of people are in agreement that both of them don't need to be hit like uh, the artifacts just one of them but people will go back and forth on which one is the like more problematic card of the two there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of strong hits here. You could hit the Anaconda, hit Anaconda to zero, uh, just put it on the ban list. It is a very strong card. It enables a lot of just kind of like a uh, very powerful end boards by just being able to do all your stuff and then just use an Anaconda at the end to put your Goon or DPE on board, which, sorry. Okay. Which can be a, you know, it can just be a little bit problematic. Uh, There's always been talk about Anaconda dropping to zero, so... I can see that finally happening. It's been around the meta for a while, so it, you know it wouldn't be like a huge hit. And it just recently got a reprint, so like casual players got to hang out and play with Anaconda for a bit before it got hit. I could also see Fusion Destiny going to one. Um, even at two, it's still really strong. Uh, but making it go down to one would make it so players, uh, you either use it off the Anaconda play or you draw it. Like, you can only do one or the other, you can't do both. So, with only one Fusion Destiny, like, you have to bank on, uh, just not drawing it. Because since Anaconda has to send the card from deck, if you draw your Fusion Destiny uh you can't use it off anaconda so i don't know i can see that happening uh just to kind of hinder to make it just a little bit less consistent but with anaconda still at one a lot of players are just going to make anaconda like how they've been doing in the recent format and then just um ascending the fusion destiny so it's not going to be like that big of a deal uh and then looking at the artifact engine like scythe and dagda uh i feel like Artifact Sanctum in the Scythe has been a very strong, like, anti-meta play for a while, just being able to lock players out of the extra deck. We already saw what happens when players play cards that lock other players out of extra deck, looking at Buster Whelp or whichever, um, whelp that was. Yeah, locking players out of extra deck is, like, not fun, and it's not a fair mechanic. It's really unfun, uh, in that manner, um, so where scythe could be the very tempting hit out of those two i'm really seeing more of dagda getting hit primarily because dagda is just made alongside combos you can use it to shrink your board uh in conjunction it can be used to set other stuff um it actually does hurt other like uh off meta strategies that don't rely on Scythe, but use Dagda to set things like Moral tech and um, you know, the other combos that artifacts can do, which is actually pretty nutty by the way. Um, the entire hat format was evidence of how frustrating um, artifacts can be. So we'll see, uh, I would be surprised if they did in fact hit scythe uh because it would effectively kill both those cards whereas if you hit just dagda you can play scythe but you have to rely on drawing the scythe as opposed to being able to search it from your extra uh search it from your deck or um make making room for sanctums which we all know is kind of difficult uh with how many engines are being played in decks currently there's also celestial like destiny hill celestial which seems like an hit Um, I don't see them hitting Celestial uh, or Dasher really because those are two cards are typically used in that combo Um, you know Celestial has the effect that you can banish it from the graveyard plus another destiny hero if you have no hand to draw two cards and while that sounds very strong um, that strength is in relation to what deck is playing like what deck is playing the engine like a draw two for uh for one deck may not be as powerful as like another deck that draws two so like an eldritch deck and a sky striker deck they will heavily benefit off of like a draw two because it just keeps your plays going but more of like a mid-range or like uh like control deck like draw two is nice but they probably already had the ability to keep going regardless uh and also usually those more faster paced decks already have um pretty much like a large hand that they'll keep playing with so they're never gonna have an empty hand to where um celestial is live you know what i mean so i don't see celestial getting hit um it like a draw two just isn't as scary as i think people thought it was going to be so we're gonna look into kind of the top meta decks that I've been seeing a lot of play in uh, the most recent YCS tournaments, and just kind of looking at what are some strong cards in these combos that may influence what's gonna be happening on the ban list. So first, uh, we're gonna look at Tenyi Sword Soul. Tenny uh, Sword Soul. When if you've actually played the deck, you may realize that the deck is like very fair. Which sounds weird because if you're on the receiving end of playing against Sword Soul, you might not think that. But the plays themselves are like very easy to disrupt. And the combo lines can end if you just like don't have like a single extender to keep going. Uh, So um, I took Tenu Sword Soul to uh, the Indianapolis Regionals. And I just found that. There was a lot of times where I could have an amazing end board but just like there was a lot of notable choke points that like an ash blossom or a bell or something like that just like ended my turn. So, um, however, there is one thing that you see in a lot of sword soul decks that have been leaning into the halk play style is that halk can be like halky Fibrax can be very overwhelming, uh, primarily because, uh, it serves its purpose, not as a full on like combo piece, but as a hand trap magnet, uh, especially with, um, Baron now being in the meta, um, halk requires let like the halk to baron pipeline requires less bricks in the deck you just go halk to desk one um to a on to three tokens to desk one and then you sync the three tokens in desk one into your baron so you don't need to run like the Colt wing anymore or anything like that. Like it's just a quicker play. Uh, in addition, like it has to be responded to. Like once that baron hits board, it's too late. Like the the opponent is then going to do everything that they're they were going to do with their turn normally, which is it effectively serves the same purpose as what the brave engine does. Uh, like even if you use a hand trap or something on the brave engine to stop that engine from going off that's one less hand trap that you have against the actual engine that's going to be playing so it still served its purpose of absorbing a hand trap they're just not going to get that recursion um i i feel like people say this every ban list but i could definitely see Hulk finally getting the axe um just because it It makes the synchro strategy so homogenous. Like every synchro deck is a Halk deck. Um, In addition, Konami has talked about that they want to kind of shrink the ban list. And I think that they could do this by putting Halk on the ban list. Like, if the if Halky Firebrex was put onto the ban list, just outright ban this card because of the sheer engine and, like, value it pr- like gives, then each ban list, they could bring back one of the tuners to, like, one or, like, take it off the ban list. Um, like, how, kind of like how they've been doing with the pendulum stuff. Like, uh, every ban list, we're getting one pendulum card just coming back one card at a time. Uh, so I could see them kind of doing that with uh, Hunky Fibrex and, and like essentially all the tuners. Uh, next up is Flawonderies. Uh, Flawonderies has been seeing way more play, and it's kind of like a sleeper tier one deck that everyone hates. I, I think that everybody hates that deck so much that they don't want to admit that it's a tier one deck, but Flawonderies is definitely a tier one deck. Uh, if you it's one thing to play against somebody who like doesn't really, like, you know, picked up the deck because I've been playing it for a couple weeks. It's another thing to play against a player who, like, really knows how to play Flow Wanderers. If they get their combo line off one time, like, it's over. You lost. Uh, it's... And, uh, like, I played this deck for a good couple months, so uh, I can speak to how oppressive this deck can be. So... You know, the main end board that Flawanda ends on is Empin and Wind Barrier Statue, uh, which doesn't sound like very much, but together it is kind of a lot. So uh, the Empin just makes it so anything that is special summoned and attack has its effects negated. And then the Wind Barrier Statue just makes it so, you know, we can only special summon wind monsters. So after that, like when you start Playing against a Floundaries player, they're going to use like Mega Ryza and Apex Avian to kind of deny you resources or stack your deck or just end your turn. Um, But that's only possible because the game state is quote-unquote simplified for you, but not simplified for them. Like they... If you couldn't, if without a wind barrier statue, if you could make your entire board and like keep playing per usual, you know, just special summon your monsters in defense to avoid the Empin negate, then it's not the end of the world, right? Like, yeah, one Apex is is a single negate, but you know you can play through that, and the Apex is back to hand, so you don't have to run over an Apex, or like, you know, the Mega Riza is still like a decimating play. But without a wind Barrier Statue on board, you can continue to play and try to like play through that. Uh, wind barrier Statue, people really wanted wind Barrier Statue hit uh, last ban list, but instead we got the Smorglink that was knocked out. Which, I mean, I'll take that. The Smorglink needed to go. Uh, but the wind Barrier Statue is like the main offender in the Floandarees deck. Like, it just since floor only normal summons they don't special summon they are completely uh like they completely just dip around that floodgate and it's a one-side floodgate that makes it so you just can't even put the board presence to even begin to take out the deck so uh yeah i can definitely see wind barrier statue um getting the axe here it would heavily hinder for if not almost kill the deck like i'd hate to say it but it would make it so florinda cannot they would have to rely on a lot more stuff to uh make their board. they might actually even play the uh, counter trap instead as their way to do it um because the counter trap negates a special summon and then it gives the opponent they can't special summon anymore and then the opponent gets three normal summons but you have to have like empen on board so I can see that being like the route that they go to, but that's a little bit easier to play around. Like, you can Cyclone or Lightning Stone in the back row before doing that, and then you don't have to worry about that. It's easier to play around that way. So, yeah, I can see that happening to Fornarees. And, you know, as a player, I really don't want to see it happen, but when Barrier Statue is very strong in this deck. Uh, Now, moving on to Prank Kids. So, Prank Kids have been... um, Man, this is a strong deck. I think it's just because it does so much that if any part of the combo gets interrupted, they just need one extender in any form to keep going. And granted, like, they got hit with Meow Meow to 1, and that did hurt the deck, Um, but I think, like, I think Pax still won YCS with Prank Kids, even with Meow Meow 1 and before the Brave Engine. So it's like... You know, it was hit, but it wasn't hit like that, you know? Like, now we're seeing Prank Kids... I think Prank Kids just won the most recent YCS, now with the Brave Engine. um, Because the Brave Engine just carries the deck a little bit more. Like, you can... Like the deck was previously weak to one hand trap on the Meow Meow, but now um, with the Brave Engine, like the Brave Engine's gonna absorb that hand trap and then you can do all the prank kid stuff right afterwards and then just continue to pop off. Like the end board that prank kids put out on their own is very scary. Like they'll get a totally awesome and then a double like quick effect Raigeki during your turn. Like that's really hard to play through. Like, you establish, they wipe board, you try to clear their board, they just negate it. Um, And then, on top of that, if the Brave engine does continue to go off, they have another Omni-Negate, and then a Bounce on their turn. So it's just, like, you can't keep up. Like, they have a Negation, a Bounce, a Board Wipe. Like, all three important forms of removal that are currently in the game. So, um, I guess that, like... I guess the thought process was that if Meow Meow was at 1, it would cut off the grind game that uh, Prank Kids would have. Like, you know, you'd clear that board and then they wouldn't be able to go again because Meow Meow is banished or it's in graveyard or something like that. But to be honest, there is no grind game. Like, if a Prank Kids player pops off on full combo on their turn, there is no grind game. Like, uh, you either lose to that the following turn... Or uh, they just don't rely on Meow Meow. They'll be able to establish in enough ways that doesn't require them to have a Meow Meow engraved to like be a one-card pop-off. Uh, Phantom Knights. So, Phantom Knights, this is another deck that I think is, for the most part, really fair. They don't do anything super oppressive. Uh, kind of like how Flwanderies does. However, they I've seen a lot of Phantom Knights lean super heavy into um, the Brave engine and then the DPE Dagda engine. So it uses the two more powerful engines in the game to supplement what the deck already does, which can make some pretty like I, I would say some strong and beat downish boards. Fog blades are just annoying. It's really just fog blades, like fog blade turbo. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we've already talked about the DPE engine and the uh, the adventure engine. So uh, I, I'm not really going to expand too much on that. But I do want to expand on one card that I think has been in the spotlight for a while for Phantom Knights, and it's Torn Scales. Torch Skills is a very strong card, and it fuels almost all the combos that the deck can do. Um, it is a 1.5 card, like full combo, and it's yeah, like why not? Why wouldn't you want to play that? On top of that, like you know, it it can bring itself back from graveyard, which is just another level three that they can use for whatever. Um, but it banishes itself when it leaves field. But if they use it for an Exes, which the deck just pumps out a bunch of Exes left and right, they'll just use it for an Exes material, and then it goes back to Grave, and then it can come back the following turn. So, like, it just... They get so much value out of a single Torn scales in a game that it doesn't matter if it gets banished. Um, they'll find a way to bring it back, or they will um just find a way to like keep reusing that same one as ice's material to make it so you just have that value to like a foolish burial every turn with that being said i could see torn scales going to one like it would definitely hinder the deck it would make it so there's a single targeted card that uh you know if they like say they use a card effect to uh like normal summon torn scales and then you pop it on summon they can use an effect to bring it back from graveyard or use an effect to search another one and special summon it to the field and then that way they have the full combo so going off anyways um whereas if they only have one to work with it makes it a little bit easier to stop if that makes sense like uh, it's one thing to target to get rid of as opposed to three that you have to worry about kind of like what I was talking about with um, the right like if right went to one you could target your resources of knocking out one right as opposed to worrying about all the enchantresses and everything um so it's something that I would kind of hope to see um i don't I don't see it happening though but um, just because phantom Knights, Like, I think they were performing very well when the Brave Engine came out, but then there was just other decks that stood out that just utilized the Brave Engine just much more effectively, uh, that, that, like, Phantom Knights could. Um, next, moving up, I'm gonna kind of go over to Eldritch Dunn, so, um... We already knew that we were gonna see a lot of trap decks, uh, especially when skill drain came back to three. And skill drain is by far the biggest offender in this deck. <laughs> so, um you have skill drain and then you have lore of the heavenly prison. Um and I don't think that Lord of the Heavenly Prison is really uh too oppressive of a card. Like yeah, the back row protection is really nice and the set is really nice. Um, but you'd never wanna see like multiples of these. Like a lot of decks they typically only max out two unless they're like a super 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 heavy trap deck then they'll play three um but yeah skill drain to three was a horrible idea um because just a full on the ground like full board like monster in gate forever is crazy granted that a lot of decks are playing effects out of hand in graveyard uh so they can like get around it in some ways like still like skill drain at three was a terrible mistake Ugh. I could see it, I really think that they might roll back on skill drain and maybe bring it back to 2 or something. I don't see it going back to 1 because it saw no play at 1, but at 2 it might still see enough play to essentially be good, good enough for Eldritch decks and other trap decks alike. Uh, Next we have Plunder Patrol. So Plunder Patrol is another deck that, much like Phantom Knights and, um, and Prank Kids, could already establish a really strong board on their own. The Brave Engine just allowed them to do it a little bit better and much more consistently. Especially given that um, the like plunder patrol does a lot of discarding for stuff and some of it is like you have to discard a plunder card and some of it's just like discarding cards in general um so you get to make use of that water enchantress again uh water enchantress is also a water the entire deck is water so you get to make use of the attribute uh synergies in there as well so um I don't see, like, Plunder Patrol in and of itself being hit, um, except for maybe the exception of, like, Totally Awesome, um, just because Toad is still, like, a very strong card. Um, but I do see this just being another evidence that, like, the Brave Engine is going to get hit in some way, shape, or form because it is just- it just benefits too many decks in too many ways. Um, and then we have the infamous Based deck, um. Which is like, oh gosh, I can't even remember all of it, um, I, I can't remember all the acronyms. Uh, but it's a 60 card pile deck that uses every, <laughs> I, I've referred to it as goodstuff.deck deck, uh, because it uses everything that is just good in the meta currently to just fuel all the combos. Uh, so, I, there's, like, the Brave, Eldritch, Synchro stuff, Hulk plays, Baron, like, DPE. It does literally everything. It's, like, an all-star, it's, like, an all-star cast from, like, a return season of a show, all wrapped into, like, one, um, like, one archetype. Uh, so, it kind of showcases just how strong, like, everything currently is in the meta, like, all the particular engines, but, uh... Once again, ultimately showcasing that like the brave engine is just really, really, really strong um, and I'm sorry to harp on brave so much, but it's been quite ridiculous how much homogeny has been created in deck building because the brave engine is around like, um, everybody is playing the brave engine and then everybody is playing the outs to the brave engine so like the ghost ogres are in main deck the um the ash blossoms are in main deck because you need to stop that in some way shape or form and that consumes a lot of deck space that is 15 like if you're playing three ghosts three bells and the brave engine that's 15 cards out of your deck right off the bat to um going against like playing your deck and then playing against a mirror like some form of a mirror match so, now, I kind of just want, like, that was really all I had about the decks. Um, I think just to kind of recap out of that, like, Hulk might see the axe, Wind Barrier Statue might see the axe, um, the Brave Engine, in some way, shape, or form, is going to get hit, and then uh, Torn Skills maybe to one, just because of the recursion, how strong uh, the combos are. Now, but I want to look at just kind of, like, some returns, what we might get back, what might you know stand out in the meta or something like that. So uh, I was looking through the forbidden and limited list just to see like what's all there, like and just kind of reflecting to see like what's been seeing play. Um, the first one is Macrocosmos. So Macrocosmos has been at one for years, even decks that heavily use banishing to their advantage they don't even use macro cosmos they'll use dimensional fissure instead because dimensional fissure effectively does the same thing um and i think primarily because macro is a trap is like the large reason why people aren't playing it but you know there's pros and cons of being a trap like a trap card like yeah you aren't using her off the bat but you can surprise the opponent and then make it so they'll go super negative on a play um But being a trap card means that it also gives the opponent a chance to like respond and knock it out before you activate it. So I could see Macrocosmos coming to two. Um, Maybe that might make it see a little bit more play, just kind of like a little bit more of a prominent floodgate. Um, I don't see any Banished Crazy decks popping up because of this coming to 2. Like, it's effectively still going to do all the same stuff. Um, How, like, you know, we have Dimension Shifter currently in the meta at 3. And that, like, we already know how strong Dimension Shifter is. It's the strongest hand trap in the game because it turns off other hand traps. So, uh, Macrocosmos is kind of a card that would fulfill a similar role in that matter, like, If you activate Macrocosmos, you don't have to worry about Effect Veiler, Ghost Ogre, Droplets, Droll, uh, like, you know, all of those very powerful hand traps, uh, primarily because they have to go to Graveyard. Um, They can't use any of, like, the Dogmatic Punishments or anything like that because they have to send to Graveyard. So, um, yeah, I can see that being kind of the main use for it. Like, Macrocosmos being a way, like, a sponge to knock out hand traps. Um we saw empowered desires go to one at the last list and it like it, like effectively killed the card like <laughs> it's, like as bad as that is like even the even the modern decks that we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of like sixty card decks in the current format. And even sixty card decks, there's so many like combo pieces and things that need to be in deck that even sixty card decks aren't running desires because they can't afford to lose those pieces. Like they'll like I think Tenny Sword Soul was the only deck that still played the Desires at one. Virtual World effectively dropped off the meta because uh, they lost um they lost desires desires went from three to one and they can't reliably get enough like um a follow-up turn they've relied on desires to, as their follow-up plays so i can see desires coming back to two just to kind of make the card see a little bit more play again i think it was a hit that a lot of players weren't happy with um but like at two you're still not reliably drawing it um, you still take the risk of banishing the other ones, or you're still, like, you know, kind of playing it at one. Um, and, yeah, so we'll see. I, that's kind of more of, like, a hopeful thing. I don't even play Desires in a lot of the, like, big decks I play, but, uh, yeah, it, it effectively killed the card at one. You might as well have just banned it. So, um, coming, like, kind of in that same... Vein. I have a feeling we're going to get another pendulum card back. Um, I haven't figured out which one yet. Uh, over the past couple of ban lists, as I said earlier, we've been slowly getting pendulum cards like one by one, and we haven't seen any pendulum strategies like threatening or set top tables with like ycs or regionals or things like that so um i think that we'll probably just see more pendulum stuff coming back i think uh people were were really expecting like lights to stick out and it was a very short hype where like um lunalite tri-brigade was a thing but like beyond that like it I haven't heard about it since. So uh, I think we'll get something back. Um, Electromite obviously would be absolutely crazy, um, but we'll see. I highly doubt that they'll bring Electromite back, especially since we're getting Beyond the Pendulum and Dimension Force uh, in about like a month and a half. Um, Harp Horror is still banned. Um, This is like another card that everybody always mentions. Like this card can come back to one. Like it... I think they've come to terms and come to peace that, like, um, Orcus is not, like, uh, it wouldn't be as strong today as it used to be. Uh, so, I think Harpoor coming down, like, coming to one would be fine. Um, it wouldn't, like, break the meta or anything like that. Uh, and then we have Windup Zenmighty. This is one that I personally talk about in a lot of these episodes. Uh, Windup Zenmighty could come back to one if they make wind up hunter go to one or they ban hunter so if you like this is a this card was banned a very 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 long time ago um and primarily what it did was that zen mighty allowed you to summon wind up hunter the wind up hunter allowed you to rip a card out of the opponent's hand um, and then they would just keep looping the hunter uh to rip out all of your cards out of the opponent's hand. Before like before things started now mind you that old strategies like this uh you know this was an era before hand traps so uh like nowadays wind-ups would be super weak to like an ash blossom or a ghost over or something like that uh in addition like even back then like hunter was the problem card like Wind up Zen Mighty just summoned other stuff to kind of make other exes, but Hunter was the thing that ripped the hand and made the deck unfair. So I don't understand. Like, I don't see why Zen Mighty can't come back to one and Hunter is the one that gets knocked off because that's what it should have been, uh, even when that ban happened a- such a long time ago. And lastly, um, this is kind of more of a hopeful card. I would. I wouldn't be too surprised if it came back to one, um, but at the same time, I understand like why people would have some immediate fears. Um, but Yatagarasu. So, Yatagarasu is the reason why we have a ban list. <laughs> we'll start there. Uh, Yatagarasu being a very weak monster. Okay, actually, let me let me give some context. So, Yadagrasu, when it hits direct, when it inflicts damage, the opponent skips her draw phase, and then Yadagrasu comes back to the hand, because it's a spirit monster. That's all it does. You can't special summon spirit monsters, so, like, you're normal summoning Yadagrasu to do this play every turn. What used to happen was that people would play Chaos Emperor Dragon and bomb the whole board, including a Sangin. Uh, and then Songen add Yada. Since the board is completely wiped and the opponent doesn't have a hand, thanks to Chaos Emperor Dragon, you would Normal Summon Yada and Peck for 200. And then the opponent loses. Like, the game is over right there. Uh, because they don't draw an out. Um, there's not really much in current Yu-Gi-Oh that would effectively recreate a combo similar to that. However, uh, the concept of losing to a lot of yak is, um, very, I don't know, it's an awful way to lose, like, right? Like, let's, let me go, let me use Colossus as an example. So, like, Thunder Dragon Colossus, the opponent cannot, um... Add cards except for drawing them. So like no searching whatsoever. You have to literally draw the out to Colossus. Uh, But that's the thing. Like, and if you try to remove, if you try to destroy Colossus, Colossus can protect itself, but only so many times. So you could effectively like uh, play like some uh, like combos out of the grave or something like that, and just. Uh, remove it in some way that isn't destruction or uh, you know like dropping stuff to grave and playing out of the graveyard like adding graveyard back to hand and you could effectively like play around colossus in a way like it slows you down but it doesn't shut you out of the out of the game like you still can draw an out to colossus if that makes sense or you can like imperm a colossus and then knock it out in that way like you know things like that you can't do that with yada like if the opponent puts a yada on board and yada lands that 200 damage like you're in danger you can't draw the out like if yada was able to do it one time it can continue to do it um and i think that's the unfair part so like in i don't know how to explain it but it's like it makes like a checkmate moment like, if the board state gets to a, a point where it's simplified enough, you just summon Yadagorasu and you win. Like, that, the game is over. And I think that's the one thing that people are, like, really afraid of, of um, I mean, I would surely be afraid of it. Uh, there's a lot of, like, control decks that could make a simplified game state pretty easily, and then just kind of use that as a, like, winning thing. Um, particularly I see Eldlitch doing that. Like, Eldlitch will grind out the game very severely, and then, uh, when the opponent is in, like, top deck mode, you're like, okay, yada, and then you just, the game's over. So... That's one that I would really like to come back to one, but I understand why I can't, and I get it. It's unfair to lose to, pretty much. So, I think that's about it I have uh, for this episode, just kind of like a recap. Um, the Adventure engine is going to get hit in some way, shape, or form. Um, whether that be right being hit or Enchantress, it's really one of those two. Uh, Looking at the DP engine, uh, there's kind of a toss-up. It's really between, like, Anaconda, Fusion Destiny, Scythe, or Dagda. Um, I can see them hitting Fusion Destiny and and, uh, Dagda kind of more likely of the two but we'll see i'm like you know we might be surprised um uh, this might be the era that Hauke firex gets hit so uh that would be nice we get a lot of these old tuners that would probably return back to the meta uh we uh may be the reason that we lose wind barrier statue which granted is probably a good reason um Looking at like the prank kids and like the plunderies and base and all that just more evidence that the adventure engine is very strong Uh, Phantom Knights might lose Torn scales, but we may have been past the point where Torn scales was like such a effective meta contender. So, you know, it might uh, You know, it might stick around Uh, We may see skill drain tone back a bit just because uh, skill drain at three was uh, just a little bit strong. Uh, I think stronger than what people anticipated it to be. And then looking at some returns. Uh, Macro to two would be nice. Desires to two would be great. Uh, we're going to get some Pendulum point card back because that's just been happening. Uh, we could maybe see like Harper coming back. Maybe Windups and Mighty because there's really no reason for either of these cards to still be on the ban list. Um, and then Yana Gross is kind of like my hopeful like wish comeback. come um, back if there's anything that you think i missed or completely like overlooked feel free to let me know on twitter at set five podcast uh, i'd like to i'd really like to hear other people's takes on the current ban list and the current meta as a whole um also just feel free to follow me on twitter while you're there because i post a lot of the content on twitter and i like to communicate with my fans so uh i think that's all i have for you today uh once again i'm your host jd shock aka julian and you're listening to set five pass